Ah, welcome to the Mastering Portrait Photography Podcast. <laughs> Every time I say that, it seems to get harder and I thought it would get easier. Anyway, this is that podcast and in this podcast we are talking about faith, we're talking about fear and we're talking about fatigue. It's Saturday and I'm sitting in the studio trying to find a little bit of peace and quiet and a little bit of space to record uh, this podcast. And that's actually turned out in the end to be one of the hardest things uh, there is to do in a busy studio is find some space and some time and some quiet uh, in which to record uh, these podcasts. It's been a heck of a month. It really has been a bit of a month. Um, the thing about running a business like this, of course, is you have these peaks and troughs. It gets very busy, uh, and I find it hard to find the time to do everything, of course, like everybody else. Uh, and it got to the point, actually, where um, our workloads were so high, and that's a good thing, so don't, I'm not complaining about it, but it did get to the point where not only now are we scheduling in um, the shoots and we're scheduling in the meetings, but I'm now also having to um, add all of the processing time, all of the treatment time, all of the production time into the diary as well, just to make sure that we're not overloading. Uh, and just to put a throttle on it. I know in the end, it does mean that our clients may have to wait a little bit longer to get into our diary, uh, but it does mean that they'll have a fresher photographer, a more energetic photographer, uh, and someone who isn't completely on their knees. Uh, so it's the, the month has just been full of shoots. We're way ahead of our targets this year. Uh, that's not to say that I think the, the the year is going to end up that way. I actually think we're going to have some challenges coming one way or another. We're going to have a new Prime Minister uh, and of course the economic impacts of having a Brexit or not having a Brexit, whichever way that goes, um, I am absolutely convinced are going to impact um, any small business, not just mine. So I'll keep you posted on that. Uh, but at this stage of the year, we're way ahead of our targets and we're way ahead of anything we've ever achieved. So all in all a good year. But that's not to say it doesn't have its challenges. Um, so at the end of the podcast the other day uh, with uh, Steve Gregory, uh, when we turned the mics off, myself and Steve were just sitting chatting and it occurred to me in this part of the conversation, I'm really wishing I'd recorded it. I'm so sorry. I didn't think... Um, as I get the, my head round interviews, uh, I'll learn to just keep the microphones rolling because all sorts of interesting stuff came up. And we were talking about, I was asking him actually why he'd stopped doing certain things in his business. And his answer sort of shaped an idea in my head uh, that when I sat and chewed on it later in the evening, it turned out that I could sort of, I could feel what he was feeling. And you set up a business on faith, but very quickly you're running it with fear. Not, it's not the fear that drives it, but you are fearful. And so I thought I'd record a podcast that just talks about the stages we've been through in setting this business up and how I felt about it. Um, I hope this comes across genuinely and honestly, and I'm trying to describe and trying to articulate emotions, and that's not always so straightforward. So um, I really genuinely hope that in this particular podcast, you get a sense of not just how much I love this job, but the sense that even in the position we're in, where we're very successful, it's not all perfect. And so basically what I was thinking about was when I set out, when I set out to do this job, um, I set out on faith. I had very little fear. Um, it was all about the faith, my belief, 
my belief that we could set this business up, it could make money. I mean, there's a huge amount of naivety in there, huge amount. Um, but this faith that it would work. My dad, when I told him I was doing it, he kind of looked at me and he cocked his head and he said, well, Paul, he said, he's long gone. He died five years ago, my dad, loved him to bits. A shrewd, a shrewd soul. And he looked at me and he said, Paul, he said, I don't really understand your decision. I honestly don't. I do not get why you'd be leaving a huge salary, a huge career to set up a photography business. But I know this, I know you'll be successful because you always are. And my parents gave me the greatest gift I think you can as a parent is to give your kids the confidence to try stuff, the security to try stuff. So I wasn't scared at all at that stage. I was just, I had faith. I thought it was going to work. Um, at about the same time, so this is going back to January 2006. So I was still working at that time as a part-time IT consultant in the city. Um, I had left my big um, permanent career uh, where I was about to be uh, made a senior a senior executive, I think they call it now, but it would have been a partner in my day um, at Accenture, this fantastic company that I loved working for, but it was but was so disruptive to family life. Um, big salaries, yep, big career, yep, but also um, big impacts on myself and Sarah and the kids. And so I'd got more and more disillusioned uh, with my lifestyle um, and decided that having taken some pictures for a few people, this was the way forward. Now, this it isn't right at the very beginning. This isn't the day I picked up a camera. I've had a camera in my hand since I was about seven years old. But this is at the end of a period when people were asking us to take pictures and they were paying us for the privilege. Um, so this is a letter I sat, it's an email I sat and I wrote and I, I've kept a copy of it. I say I kept a copy, I had to go dig it out. I suddenly remembered in a fit of peak a couple of years ago that I'd written this thing. And it was me writing to Sarah, my wife, to justify why I would leave a six-figure salary to set up a photography business. And it carries on like this. I'll try and, I'll try and drop details in of what, because some of it won't be clear just from the wording alone. So bear with me. I am not Stephen Fry. Okay, this is not an audible book. I don't have the voice and I don't have the articulation, but I will do my best. And it starts, hey, honey, I'm sitting on the Sados train. So for those who don't know, the Sados train is the train that's too late that you've had a life, but it's not late enough that you've just been enjoying one. It's that sort of, I wrote it, uh, I wrote on my email at 8.49, that's when I wrote this email, and that's that train. Um, it's too late. The regular commuters who have a normal life have long gone. The people who have a social life are still partying. You're in that hinterland in between. It's a, it's a train full of suits. Um, and IT consultants, you find an awful lot of IT contractors and consultants on these trains. Um, and so anyway, the letter continues. So I thought I'd dump some thoughts on the photo, photo business. Can you help me? So I'm asking Sarah for some help. Um, I think the letter changes down slightly through it. Uh, but initially, I wrote it um, asking for Sarah's help. And to be fair to Sarah, for the past, what's that, 13 years, she has done nothing but help. Uh, so maybe the letter worked. Anyway, it carries on. I can't help but think that we need to revise much of our marketing and brand. So I thought I'd write what it is I love about the photography and see where that gets me. The blood, that bloody Anita Roddick book has got me thinking. Now, I, I vaguely remember the Anita Roddick book. It was a book somebody gifted me as a Christmas present. I think they found out we were starting to set this business up. Um, and it's a book about Anita Roddick and Body Shop. 
and how she went about it. And of course, you know, a fantastic business that's had its highs and lows, but was always kept its personality. And so I've loved that book. I can't remember the title of it. Um, if I if I dig the title out, I'll stick it in the footnotes. Um, but a wonderful book. Anyway, I carry on. I love photographing people because, one, people are amazing. I love capturing that in a picture. When we get it right, it speaks volumes. Two, I love meeting people, particularly the characters out there. I, don't, I honestly don't know what other characters there are, but I had it in, in me that obviously meeting characters out there uh, was the right way to go. And it just carries on kids and adults alike. Number three, I love eyes. I don't know why, probably why I remembered you had the most beautiful green ones all those years ago. I photographed them well and they talk to you. I still believe in that. I absolutely still believe in that. Uh, I love eyes. They are by far, for me, the most beautiful and poignant part of uh, a portrait. For me, anyway. Um, number four, I love seeing an emotion and then catching that on paper. Number five, I love failing to see an image at the time but then discovering it later on. Now, you've all been through that, right? When you've long since lost interest in the shoot, it's been done, you've probably monetized it, it's been archived, and then for some inexplicable reason, you look back at those folders and find a gem of an image that nobody paid any attention to whatever. <laughs> I mean, I love seeing an image at the time anyway, but um, I really love um, seeing an image uh, that just comes up through the folders later on. It's one good reason never to destroy uh, your archive. Uh, number six, I love the reaction people have when they see our photos. Obviously not when they're not happy with them, but I guess you learn more when this happens. Now, I don't know what had happened at the time I wrote this email. Maybe I just had a bad experience with a client, uh, but it, <laughs> on the whole, I love the reaction people have when they see our photos. It's visceral. Uh, we have at the moment a couple seeing their wedding pictures down in the studio and I walked in at the end of the slideshow and bless her, she's in absolute bits. She's working her way through, single-handedly uh, her way through a big box of tissues and it's a lovely thing, right? Uh, number seven, I love the memories that a photo conjures up. They're nearly always positive, even though things may not have been that way at the time. And this is key, actually. This is key to some of the stuff we talk about with the business. Even back then, 13 years ago, I was figuring that out. It's about the memories. It's about the experience. The better the experience, the better the memories, uh, the more people are going to like their pictures. As an aside... I photographed someone yesterday, um, a wonderful lady. She's a barrister specialising in uh, human rights, uh, a fantastic uh, person, smart ass. Anyway, she came to us because she hated the pictures that her chambers had created recently. And I said to her, Is other pictures really bad? And she said, yes. And I said, well, did you like the experience? She said, no, I hated it. And I suspect, though I haven't seen the pictures, that's why. They, the photographer did not create the memories and the experience necessary uh, for them to like those pictures. Uh, number eight, more can be said in the capture of one thirtieth of a second than in a thousand feet of film or an hour of video or the pages of a book. And you cannot hang a video on the wall. Number nine, I love the tactility of a photo. You can touch it, you can feel it. When you open one of our albums, it's like part of the image creeps up through your fingers. <laughs> There's me getting all lyrical. Uh, I, I, I don't think I've ever written stuff like that before, or since, for that matter. Uh, when you open one of our albums, it's like part of the image creeps up through your fingers. I'm not sure I believe in that, but it was a nice line in the letter. Uh, where are we? Number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 
nine ten. I love the relationship we have with the people we photograph. The trust they place in us can be incredible. I hate, I hate that I don't know that it lasts because at that point in our career, when I was writing this letter, of course, I've only really got short-term clients because we haven't been in existence long enough to have long-term clients. The good news is we do know it lasts. We do have clients that come back year after year. Um, and I love that relationship that we've built with so many incredible, incredible people. Uh, number 11, when we get it right, our images speak to people, or at least they speak to me. Sounds pretentious, but I mean that I feel stuff when I see them. Um, and I then ask of Sarah, uh, do you think that's true of others? I don't know why. <laughs> I have no idea why I ask that of her. Uh, do you think it's true of others? Am I asking uh, whether she feels it or am I asking whether uh, other photographers generate the same emotion? I have no idea. It's a long time ago, this letter. Uh, number 12, one good image and a room can come alive. I haven't seen Jenny's in situ, but I can only imagine the effect they have. Now, Jenny was a really big client at the time and had bought some really big, beautiful frames from us. Um, and I still haven't seen the inside of her house. I still have no idea whether the pictures look amazing on the wall. Uh, but the feedback we have is that they do. Um, and I can only imagine that, you know, I've seen plenty of other living rooms and lounges uh, and rooms with our pictures in, and I know the effect they have. Um, but back in 2006, of course, I was still very naive and still learning um, how all of this stuff worked. Uh, where am I, number 13? Uh, somewhere around there. I am utterly, utterly passionate about an image when we get one right. It's a glorious feeling. Now, that makes it sound like I don't often get them right. Um, I can only imagine back in 2006 uh, what that must have been like. But clearly from this letter, I was very passionate about it uh, when we did get one right. Uh, and the last one of this section, I'm not driven by the money, but it must pay for itself. And that's an interesting line, actually. I am not driven by the money, but it must pay pay for itself. That's never really left me, actually. Um, this is a business and you have to think of it like a business. You have to operate it like a business. Um, I was talking to the CEO of a very big company the other day. I was photographing him and his family and we got chatting. And of course, he's talking to me about business. I'm talking to him. And our business, our little business here with three people in it, has the same functions as his global enterprise. Of course it does. It has, I don't know, accounts payable, accounts receivable. It has customer service. It has HR function. Essentially, I'm the creative director here. I'm also head of manufacturing, if you think about it. The product is photography. The product um, is uh, the experience that we give. I'm in charge of all of that. Um, I've got um, a, a, essentially a, a CEO I suppose I, I act as the chair of the company. If you wanted to put proper structures around it, Sarah would be uh, the CEO or the MD because she effectively runs it. Um, Sarah runs all of our accounts. Uh, Michelle looks after all of our customers. I look after all of the production. These are all of the same functions you get in any, in any company. So you do have to think of it as a business. You can't not. But I'm not driven by the money. I'm driven by the passion to create pictures and that's a useful thing to have because when the money doesn't come in for whatever reason it's usually out of your control then you don't get fixated on it I just am fixated on creating the best possible pictures and the best possible experience that I can so that's the first half of that and then the second half goes on and I, I put a little heading here it says here's what I want from the business this is what I wrote to Sarah to say this is what I want from our business 
I want it to be fun. This is first and foremost. Number one, I want it to be fun. I love taking pictures and I don't want to lose that. So back in 2006, I was already wary that if the business evolved, I would stop loving it. Good news, I never did. I still love taking pictures more than anything else. I love creating images. Uh, number two, I want it to be creative and exciting and not formulaic. I want to try new things out and deliver stuff that others, can, others can't, aren't or won't do. Now, we're going to come back to this point. We're going to talk about this a, bit, a little bit more. It's interesting reading, actually. I, when I picked this letter up, it's a printout that I keep on my desk. Uh, and I hadn't actually read it for a couple of years. And it's really interesting. Uh, was it, it says, I want it to be creative and exciting and not formulaic. We'll come back to that one. Uh, I want our images to be things that people treasure. They enjoy looking at. They feel pride at. They have a fond memory of. So actually, when you boil that down, most of that is about memory. It's about the experience. It's about how people talk about you. It's not just whether you've got that black and white conversion spot on. It's not just whether your Photoshopping is just right. It's not any of those things, really. It's mostly about emotion. It's mostly about experience. Um, I want, and it goes on, actually, the next point. I want people to feel that they had an amazing experience that only we could give and that they have spent their money well with us that they have spent their money well with us. Now, that's really, really important because that's what gives you longevity in the client relationship. They've spent their money well. I'm not cheap, not by any stretch. Um, our averages are pretty good. Uh, we charge enough that people take us seriously. We don't charge so much that only the really rich can afford us. In fact, our client mix is really broad. Um, and we've, you know, obviously after having 13 years of this, um, I still hang on to that. I want to, I want people to feel that they had an amazing experience that only we could give and that they have spent their money well with us. And the next point goes on. I want our customers to feel special and unique. That's how I see them. But I don't know if this comes across. That's an interesting uh, line, actually, in as much as I could see what we were trying to do but I hadn't yet got to the point that I'm convinced it was working. I wanted our clients to know how special we see them, how special they are to us. And I think now, after 13 years, I, we, we really do focus on that. We really do understand that part of it. Um, our clients, our clients are amazing. Our clients love what we create and our clients really do feel uh, valued, special and unique. The next point, I want our images to have a character that people see is Hours. Now that's an interesting line, and I'm not certain I worded it very well. Um, I think what I was getting at was I'd love people to see our images and know that's one of our images. They have something about them that is clearly Paul Wilkinson and his team. Um, and I think we've got that these days. It took a long time to get there because it does take a long time to get there. If you force it, you can very rapidly either create images that don't work or simply create cliches. Um, I didn't want to do any of that. All I've done is, is follow images that I really truly love and I've kept doing it. Sometimes people love them. Sometimes people have not been so keen. Um, but by sticking absolutely to what I'm passionate about and what I enjoy, what I love to create, then our images now, at least based on what people have told me, um, have a degree of um, recognition. Uh, the next point, I want ethics and our values to be a strong part of this. I love the Puddle Ducks and St Mary's jobs. Now, Puddle Ducks and St Mary's, one is a school and one is a nursery. Um, and I go on to say, because I have put a little back. Not enough, but some. I know it kills me at the time, but it's amazing what we can and do achieve. That's an interesting little line. Now, we used to do... Um, 
these one day all day shoots uh, for Puddleducks and for local schools and various organisations where it was an opportunity for them to raise a huge amount of revenue in one hit we put all the work in uh, and then we uh, gave them half of the profits and they could generate an awful lot of money it was a lot of organising and at the end of it I was absolutely on my knees um, however it was great fun to do and I felt like we were giving something back to the community um, over the years that has diluted a little bit the pressures of the job have meant we can't do as much we used to do work placements here but we've had to compromise those now I still go out and do talks to the schools and talk about photography and careers and how um, how to be optimistic and positive and you don't have to worry I still try and do all of those and we support the hearing dogs of course every week so I am still putting stuff back into our community uh, but I know now that we've got really really busy that has become um, increasingly difficult and, and a lot of the time now um, one of the few ways I can easily help an organisation uh, with the time pressures we have is for instance to give raffle prizes um, or to donate services uh, where we can I'm doing a charity ball uh, for someone in the autumn it's a cause I'm really passionate about it's about helping people to read and be literate uh, one of my clients has set up a trust and a charity to do that and of course for them my pleasure if I can help a little bit I will uh, because it means that people out there um, it's doing good and I really passionately believe in literacy I think it's really really important um, and then the final line actually that extends from that it says I want to be able to use photography to do something to help other people I don't know how yet but there must be something even if it, even if it is just puddle ducks and St Mary's and so even then what I was looking for are ways where we can use uh, the photography to help drive um, something good you know whether it's helping someone who wants a photograph of someone um, that may be uh, not with them for much longer or whether it's helping a charity or whether it's helping a school I just think we have the ability to bring a little bit of light a little bit of light to people and I think we should the letter carries on and it finishes up with I want our marketing our website our messages and our packages to reflect who we are but how on earth do we do this I think the signature is in the right direction and this of course I'm talking about my brand but it needs your signature as well this is about us us believing we offer something amazing that others would love well why wouldn't they we do so why wouldn't they I want to be able to clearly describe and show what we can and do do I see it in a letter I wrote do do can I believe I did that <laughs> still makes me laugh I am of course 13 years old it goes on to say help what are your thoughts am I mad if not how do we approach this how do we get some of these messages across should we boil this down into a set of values we can portray um, how should we organize this so it makes sense to others I really want to set this thing rolling while I'm earning at my client uh, and so while well, my client so it's on its feet when I get to the end so at this stage at this stage I knew I was going to leave that particular role um, and I wanted the business the photography business to be up and on its feet and then it just carries on with what do you think see you in half an hour love P PS I have only been drinking coffee I think with Sarah read it I, I was worried that um, she'd think I was drunk because it's the kind of thing I would say to I really love you when I'm drunk can't help it always do always ring home at two in the morning I really love you um, I also do it sober it turns out and on this particular instance I had been consuming nothing but caffeine um, and that's the letter that triggered it all and then you build the business right you start with the faith you start with that level of energy and drive and passion that I think well, I hope comes across in this letter it's a bit weird reading it out but I'm hoping you get the gist of it and you have all of this faith and then the pressure 
start. You start having clients. They recommend you one and then you have more clients. They recommend that you one and then you have even more. Then maybe if you're lucky, you get some qualifications and if you are really lucky, some awards. And with all of that comes credibility and comes scale. Your business grows and so does your audience. And eventually, you realise you're no longer just one person with a camera, but you're now a fully fledged business, possibly more than a one man business, possibly even a team. And you have a voice. You're succeeding. You're succeeding in spite, in spite of everything um, that the market can give you. And of course, remember, this is my personal viewpoint. And But this is what happened to me. The business grew. And before I knew it, we had this whole sort of, we had a brand. The brand included my voice, it included what I say, it included how I look, it included the pictures themselves, it included the signature, it included everything. And that's where the fear starts. Before I knew it, I had thousands, tens of thousands of people watching what we do in certain channels. And when I set the business up, I didn't care we didn't have anybody following us except my parents and a few friends. So it didn't matter what I said. We could track the numbers of people that visited our website on one finger. Now with the amount of people that know us and the channels that we have, all of the things I used to do, the irreverent posts, the stupid stuff I put on Twitter, the experiments I'd run. Um, I used to love playing around with stuff because I had nothing to lose. Suddenly when you have something to lose, the fear starts to kick in. And the whole of that pressure can slow you down. And it's a real headache. It really is uh, a headache because you start to worry about the things you say. Even this podcast, you know, when I started it, I had a, an audience of one, me. I could say what I liked. I could do what I liked. I didn't care. And then suddenly people start to critique you or people start to tell you they like stuff and you begin to worry. And it's really hard not to change and dilute what you do because you start to hear so many voices. You have to be, and I've preached this, you have to be careful who you listen to. All right. You have to be ever so careful because if you don't, the little things that happen to you can change the way you do things. I'll give you a little story. When I started doing wedding photography, well, actually, it wasn't when I started, but during the time I was doing um, uh, more wedding photography than I do now, possibly, I used to post a picture from every wedding or a couple of pictures from every wedding on social media. I used to check with the bride and groom first and then we'd post. Anyway, I did this beautiful wedding. I posted a beautiful picture. Suddenly I'm working on a client site and I get a phone call from Michelle saying that the groom has um, rung up to say for some inexplicable reason, there's a, I've posted this picture. And I said, yes, I thought you, you wanted that. And he said, no, he said, and I'm, I'm furious. I don't want my picture out there until I've seen them. Okay, okay, that's not a problem. I'll do a takedown. It's not an issue. I'm so, so sorry. I must have got my wires crossed. I thought you had said, yes, you'd like a picture posted. He said, no, I don't. And worse than that, somebody has been sharing it everywhere. Okay, look, I'm really sorry. As soon as we take it down, it'll disappear from all channels unless someone's physically copied it um, because Facebook is pretty good like that. I'll just do a takedown. I'm so sorry. We will see you next week when you come to see your pictures. The couple arrive. I make a point of talking to the groom and obviously I say, look, I'm so, so sorry. Um, in my notes, I've got, you'd like a picture put on Facebook or put on social media and clearly you're not happy. I, I can, you know, I can help, I can try to make it up to you. Um, and um, 
I can do nothing more than apologise. And I said, as for who was sharing it, I said, I've no idea. To which his now new wife sat there and said, oh, that was me. I was really excited because I really wanted it all out on social media. And there was the problem, right in a nutshell. The bride had said yes, she wanted it on social media. The groom hadn't paid attention to that. And so between the two of them, I'd got a conundrum. I'd done what I thought was right. I'd done what my contract and what... Uh, the paperwork, the paper trail we had had said was the right thing to do, um, but he disagreed. And when things like that start to happen, you start to become very protective because, of course, that really isn't a great story to tell. That's a story of where it can go wrong. That's a story of how I did something that did not please my client. It's a real story. It really happened. Um, and what that did then that day was change everything we do, for instance, around social media. We now don't ever post any pictures from uh, a wedding in particular, and a portrait shoot actually these days, until well after the client has seen them and I've got somewhere written permission that says I'm allowed to use those images. And by the way, having advanced written permission doesn't always work. So we always wait now until after the shoot, until after they've seen their pictures. And of course, that's a very defensive strategy. It's a real shame that it's like that, but that's the way it is. There's not a lot else um, that I can do about it. And it's just... It's an illustration of how as your scale grows, you become defensive um, over your brand. You become fearful. You start with faith, but gradually, unnoticeably, drip by drip, you become defensive um, and at worst fearful. And you stop doing the things you loved. You stop saying the things you wanted to. The very brand uh, you created starts to become conservative. Uh, conservative with a small c, of course. And you do have to find ways of kicking it. For us here, every couple of years, I bring in someone external, whether it's a consultant, another photographer, a business guru. I'm always talking to people because fresh eyes bring fresh initiatives. They bring a different way of looking at it. They'll help me see what we're doing really well, and they'll help me see things where I can do things better and that's a really really wonderful thing but of course on top of all of that not only do you have faith and fear uh, but you also have fatigue and that's what we've just been addressing recently I got tired <laughs> Sarah listened to one of the podcasts and all she said was you sound tired um, and that's true because of course I'm living this life I'm doing this job that I adore I'm putting everything I have into it we have the most incredible clients I create pictures on the whole that I really love and more importantly our clients love but the workloads when we're not on top of it can just spike and they did that um, a few weeks ago and now we're balancing things slightly differently um, because I have to the highs from this job are euphoric but the lows honestly the lows make me cry it happens you know I think people see us and they think because we're really successful and because of all of these things going on around me, the book, the website, podcasts, mastering portrait photography, being on stage, all of these various competition wins, everything else, they think we live the perfect life. Photographers, we've got the photography business so many people would want. In fact, this is the photography business I dreamt of having. But of course, when you're tired, when you're under pressure, when little things go wrong, it can really play with your head. The highs can be really euphoric, but the lows, the lows can really make you cry. And I'm saying this, I'm being honest about this because I think it's important. I think it's important to realise we all feel this way. We all do. We all have those moments when it's just too much, when it's tough, when I'm sitting here in tears because I cannot, for some reason, 
feel any better about it. The pictures are good. The clients are good. Our base, our bottom line is good. There's nothing wrong for some inexplicable reason. I'm just on a low. Now, I'm acutely aware of it. I've been around the block a lot and I'm acutely aware of how I feel. And I also have Sarah. And I have someone who I can confide in, who I can talk to, who I can offload to, who will help me get a little bit of clarity on the situation. Now, in the old days, when we worked different jobs, it was a little bit easier because if you had stress, if I had stress in my work in London, possibly or probably Sarah wasn't having stress in her job. So at the times when I needed the support the most, probably Sarah was on a high and vice versa. Now, when we're both in the same business, of course, if something goes wrong, we're both going to feel down. So it takes a little bit more managing, but I'm acutely aware of what I'm like. I'm acutely aware that a combination of the insecurity and fatigue is one of the worst things I can have. And if I'm tired and I'm working long hours, I'm probably also not eating well. And it really, really plays in my head. And I have those really dark moments. And I'm just saying this because, you know, I think, I hope it's useful. I love this job. I so love this job. It is everything I've wanted other than being on stage as a drummer. It's the biggest adrenaline rush I have ever felt. That feeling of creating an image that is everything you ever wanted to, whether it's a beautiful picture of someone laughing or it's a tearful, enigmatic picture, whatever it is that floats your boat, or even just today I learned a new skill. I absolutely love this job and I love the impact it has uh, on our clients, but that's not to say it doesn't have its dark moments. You start the whole thing with faith and then gradually you have to manage the fear and the fatigue as well. And I hope this comes across the way I intended it to. I really hope it comes across as genuine and heartfelt because I tried scripting it, but it's really hard to write down everything I meant. And so the, the, only, the only bit of this is written down is the letter uh, that I wrote to Sarah. And so if it's a bit woolly and it's a bit meandering and I haven't got to a point, then I'm really sorry. But hopefully the point is this. In the end, it's the utter faith that keeps it going. But you have to be aware of the fear and the fatigue. And on that happy note, I'm going to, I'm going to round off. Uh, I hope this podcast, I don't know if you do enjoy it, but I hope it's been useful. Please do email me uh, with your thoughts. I can be reached at paul at paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk. And in response to the emails, we had some lovely emails recently. It's been really nice. So thank you to everyone who's emailed in. Um, all positive, uh, but a few people have asked us to increase the number of these these diaries of a working pro uh, style uh, podcasts as well as the interviews. So I'm going to try and do more of these um, if I can just find some peace and quiet in the studio. I've got an, a really interesting interview that's already recorded uh, with one of my clients who talks about uh, what he looks for uh, in um suppliers and agencies that he repeatedly uses next week i'm going down to bristol to interview a really amazing amazing newborn photographer i'm going to talk about her life and how she came into the job um, and then i'll record a few more of these that are all about well just me and uh, life as a, as a working pro if you've enjoyed this podcast please do subscribe you can subscribe on any of the podcast apps uh, where you get yours uh, we're hosted on Podbean, but it's out there on Stitcher. It's out there on Spotify. It's on iTunes. Of course, it's on iTunes. Uh, it's on Radio Public. You can also find it on the home of the podcast, which is masteringportraitphotography.com. Oop, there's me knocking stuff over on my desk. Um, if you'd like to, and we'd love you to, please do leave us a review. We'd love to hear your thoughts. If your thoughts are positive, make it a public review. Go and stick it on iTunes, as that really helps other 
people find this podcast. It's amazing what an impact uh, the reviews, the words you give us uh, make when other people are looking for an interesting podcast to listen to. If you think we could do the podcast differently or you're simply not that keen, let us know. Um, it stings a bit when you get those emails, but it's useful to know. And it, it usually it gives us something um, that I can tune and change. Just the same way I took critiques about photography, I'm very happy to take critiques about the podcast. Um, so until next time, please do remember one thing. Be kind to yourself. Take care.